0: Check, check. How's everybody doing today? Welcome back to the Wilma Podcast, Episode 5. We are uh, live on location here in, uh, what's this place called again? Bow Valley Square. Bow Valley Square. I think it's like Fifth Avenue Place or Plaza. Yeah. Um, Tons of white folks walking around, you know, uh, BIPOC folks, you know, just sort of fitting in uh, to the man (laughs) as much as they can and um, yeah so it's it's an uh, interesting space we'll see how this is we don't have anybody really sitting around us we're just in uh, some of the chairs and uh, but we're right by a high traffic uh, area so we'll see how things go um as always just int- to introduce myself my name is sarah good medicine i use she her pronouns my sacred name is apis gonaki and uh, i go by good medicine for my artist name because i believe we we'll all have Uh, good medicine inside us uh, to share with each other Uh, who else am I sitting on the podcast with
1: hello everyone my name is Stephen Wright I'm the old white guy here Um, (laughs) sitting with my friend Sarah for another session of white life matters always
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah and, and I guess we're here to go um some quick housekeeping uh if you want to get a hold of us by email that's the wilma podcast at gmail.com spelled t-h-e-w-l-m-a podcast at gmail.com uh, as well as you can connect with us on instagram and twitter uh, at the wilma podcast and uh, as always share it with your wife friends So uh, we're going to get into some topics today here, but just before, uh, I'm going to do the land acknowledgement. Land acknowledgements are bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) So there's our land acknowledgement for today. Uh, But we're coming at you from Treaty 7. So um, yeah, first topic uh, today, you know, something that's really been bothering me, which, um, you know, has come up, I think, in maybe uh, at least three times in the past month. Where uh, I've sort of been asked to educate somebody um, on their racism or their understanding of race or indigenous, and you know it just intr- it just sort of strikes me as interesting um, that people don't think that BIPOC folks should get compensated for their labor in this way. Um, Steve, do you have any white insight on why this phenomena is is predominant? Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only uh, non-white person who feels this way.
1: I ac- I'm actually glad you brought that up because um, I've been feeling also lately that uh, us white folks are, are uh, intellectually lazy.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I think part of it is, is that we're always looking to our indigenous allies to teach us the ways I think part of our learning actually has to come through a process of unlearning, which really is our responsibility. And and so it's one thing to even to listen to this podcast. But I think an important piece that that people need to realize is there's that period of reflection yes, and self-reflection and and, and also critical reflection to understand what our role is in this whole piece of of impressing our Indigenous folks. And again, I just use that word. So here's another good example is, is um, I use the word our and it sounds really like it's, it's a bit of ownership and, and again that I think that's part of the unlearning that we have to understand.
0: Okay but- wait you just like sort of anxiously jumped in to catch yourself here so let me slow you down a little bit. <laughs> uh, first of all we ain't yours.
1: That's right. We yeah. don't own you.
0: Yeah you don't fucking own us uh, but uh, you know what I mean? Uh, One of the other topics, so maybe we'll just take a break from uh, the education piece, but I do want to come back to it because I got mad stories for this. But um, one of the other topics is language as an example of internalized and unearned superiority. And so um, before the podcast recording, Steve and I were just chatting. He was sharing a story with me uh, and he was literally advocating for indigenous people and indigenous rights to be talked about more. (laughs) <laughs> and he used the words... Our. Our
1: what? Our Indigenous folks.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, uh, well, what did you say to that? Yeah, what do you...
1: Well, I think that's uh, an that's important piece of, of the unlearning, is uh, um, those, little, those little slips, those really subtle words, uh, even though my, my intent was positive, at least I like to think it was, And I was advocating for Indigenous people. Just using those white words as ours, like it sounds to me like we're kind of owning Indigenous people or we have ownership.
0: And where do you think that comes from? Like, why is it that white folks can feel like, you know, we're being nice and even get defensive and, you know, hostile when somebody says, you know, corrects them on this? You know, why... Uh, why do you feel like this is even a thing in the first place?
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up that status and, and unearned status because uh, in the field of disabilities, there's uh, uh, what we described as an ascribed status. That's a status that you're born with. So if it, for in my field of working supporting people with disabilities, from the time you're born, if you have a disability, that status has been ascribed to you. Um, I work in the, f- in the area of inclusive employment, and when people that are marginalized get jobs, it shows off their competencies, and that's a status that they worked really hard to achieve. Yeah. So the fact that, that we have not achieved our status, but actually it's ascribed to us from the day I was born, I was white, also my gender, that's something that's not actually really earned. And so I'm glad you brought that up. We just assume that we've earned it already strictly by a status that's been ascribed to us by our society. You heard it, folks, from the horse's mouth. (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up. That's an important piece.
0: Well, and even, I think, you know, on the topic of disability, um, could you share that story just briefly on uh, the keys? Because I I went to a conference this week and they had a lanyard around uh, for for your thing and it went around my neck and it just sort of made me think you know uh, like just power and how even us you know uh, as oppressed people you know are still sort of looking for that feeling of power and we see that we see uh, our liberation through what power we can get within the world we're submerged in and so we sort of use oppressors symbols of power um, to feel, sure. you know, so I think that's a really interesting story.
1: Sure, so I, uh, at the beginning of my career, I actually worked in an institution, and uh, most institutions have locked doors, and the only people that are assigned keys to unlock those doors are staff. And so, having wearing keys, quite often a lot of the people that I supported would have a, a keychain of keys that actually didn't unlock any locks, but it was just that symbolism of having that status. That's not any different. That's very similar to trustees that work in the prison system. They get more privileges than the rest of the people that are in prison there, that are incarcerated. So keys are always a symbol of power. When a lot of the folks that we support in institutions were moved out to the community, they would wear their keys in a lanyard around their neck.
0: And you said too, the other part I think uh, that I remember is you said there was somebody who carried around keys in that building most of those keys which didn't open any fucking doors
1: they were literally just uh, like a symbol of power and status and so uh, i mean keys are a good symbol of that right it's it's people that have keys to open up so in our in in the retail business they actually advertise for key holders uh, those Tell are what's the, that those are the people that have keys they have the power and status to open up stores in the morning and to right. shut them
0: right yeah, yeah so so these folks once they graduated from the program they were all wearing lanyards with keys around their neck and you just thought it was interesting that like you were sort of wondering why the heck are all these people wearing well, keys around their neck
1: i i think i'm i'm a somewhat of an advantage i don't know if it's an advantage or not but based on my experience in institutions and so when the movement started moving people out into community um, i always like to say that the institution has actually moved into the community its walls are just invisible because mm. a lot of the folks that we're supporting were these keys to show that hey i've i moved out from the institution and now i'm a community member like everyone else
0: Right. Yeah, well, we want that power sort of thing. And, you know, the oppressor, even though they had left that oppressive building, for instance, which was, you know, designed to help them, but, um, you know, the oppressor, in a way, was still in them. They had internalized that. Yeah, okay, well, that's interesting. So, interesting story. Um, Getting back to uh, white people, you know, wanting education for free, one of the stories I want to bring up is there was a uh, artist event that I was being hired for. It was great money, um, you know, the time commitment wasn't big, I would get to play, uh, I would get to DJ with my friends, and um, yeah, I was just really looking forward to it. But they provided some background materials on the event, and um, a friend of mine actually, interestingly enough a white guy, um, had reached out to me and said, hey, like, uh, just so you know, like, this whole sort of idea is based on a stereotype of Inuit languages. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I looked at some of the, the source materials. I didn't look at it before. And uh, for the idea for the event. And realized, like, yeah, we're pretty much, we're just, ster- like, this idea is, you know, like, the the idea for this event was based off a stereotype of Inuit, Inuit language. And... Um, so the person who had initially reached out to me had, um, had um, said that, uh, I brought it up with them and said I was really, you know, uh, not feeling good about this. And they responded to me by saying, listen, it's important. What you're saying matters more. You know, if this doesn't matter, then the rest of this doesn't matter. They were very good at listening. Uh, this person is not white And so that's maybe where some of that immediate understanding could come from. Uh, But their superior, who has the power to make changes, is white. And uh, so anyways, um, they took this to their superior, who's a white woman. And um, this white woman reached out to me the next day and said, hey, we've looked at this. You know, our intent wasn't for this to be... Uh, you know stereotyping anybody or anything and um, you know and we can't uh, change things right now it's too late in the game some yada 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 and I said listen uh, if that's the case um, then I'm not interested but uh, you know I really do think uh, that you should sort of change this but you know if if that's your feeling you know I'm not going to whatever anyways we went back and forth with a few emails and I just feel angry thinking about it because uh, this lady after a while she said well I'd really like you to help me understand why this is racist and I told her um, that she can take that money (laughs) shove it up no just kidding that wasn't what she said or what I said Uh, but I told her she can take that money that she was gonna pay me for this gig and I said you can pay me to, um, you know, uh, educate you, but I'm not going to do this for free. But that was what she asked me. She said, you know, I'd love to go for tea and to learn more, you know, about why this is racist. And I just thought, like, fuck her, you know what I mean? Because, like, why, you know, am I being asked to educate your ass, you know, when the whole world around you is built for you and, you know, like, it's going to be emotionally... Uh, and laborly expensive for me to sit down with you and explain to you your ignorance so you know why the heck would I want to sit down with you sort of thing and um, something like that she said I well I hope I didn't wanna I didn't I don't want you to be offended and da 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 and there's some more that language you know what I mean as if she has fucking control over like if I'm offended or not you know what I mean she's like trying to control how I'm feeling I don't want you to feel like that. And uh, Okay, we just got some white security uh, stopping us here. So, hi there.
1: Um,
0: oh yeah, can you show me your bylaws? I don't, it's a building policy. It's a, it's a, private, bo- it's a private
1: property. So you have a policy, uh, what is the policy exactly?
0: What are you guys doing exactly? We're, uh, we're doing having a, a podcast. It's part of the podcast as we record in public spaces. Yes. Yeah, we're let me let me get back to the okay. Well that's what I'm just told by that's my intuition, so I'll get back to you guys. sure if you Sounds could actually, actually show
1: us the policy, that would be good. Yeah. And, it's, we're sure fine
0: good. Thanks. and it's only gonna be ten minutes longer, huh? We're just gonna be quick and then. Yeah, okay. Gee, my heart's just racing. Busted <laughs> So anyways, uh so let's get let's so anyways the point I'm trying to make is that White folks always want to get educated for free. And in this situation, in our relationship, I'm getting compensated to do these podcasts, basically individualized training uh, for Steve here, um, You know, as we talk through our relationship. And Steve does uh, get paid you know, through his work. This is part of his work projects, but it is sort of in this gray area of extracurricular and he's not being compensated as a um, content creator. Uh, in the same way that I am for this here. And so, um, you know, it's an important thing to mention that because this is, there's like, you know, I think we brought it up before on the show that, you know, we've had challenges so many times, uh, you know, being able to, uh, like I've had emotional uh, challenges just with talking to you sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the topics that we bring up in the setting, Yeah. you know, so, and like, you uh, <laughs> I'm really glad you spoke up there because it was way felt like he was way more willing to listen to you than it was to <laughs> me. You know, because I'm the
1: white guy. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, but anyways, what do you think about that? What like?
1: Well, I, here's a. Are you, are you
0: sympathize with that lady or?
1: No, no, actually, uh, you made a really good point, and I want to point something out too. Is that, uh, and this is part of um, the podcast and encouraging people to listen to it. Is that. Um, for us white folks, it's interesting how all of a sudden these universities, at least the U of A and a couple other universities are offering Indigenous courses free for us white folks to learn more about Indigenous. So at first when that occurred, I thought, oh, that's just part of the, the, the trend across the world where their online courses are free and knowledge is free. That follows my, my philosophy that knowledge leads to power yes however uh i think it's really important for us not to become intellectually lazy because part of this is a process of self-reflection where we need to unlearn and we need to yeah we need to sit down and think about this and take it in and rather would than say just it's,
0: sorry to cut you off um but i'm just worried they're going to come back here so i just want to be as efficient sure. as i can um, but I feel like what you're talking about is on the mental side you say so you're intellectually lazy which white folks very much you are This is a sociological pattern, and I don't mean that in a mean way um, But I also want to say one of our other topics has to do with the way that your friends were responding to what you were saying
1: Yeah, and I think it, uh, it like kind to,
0: uh, sorry to the podcast
1: right and so I you know I've uh, sent this out to a few of my friends and, and their response your white friends my white friends uh, and, and the response came back is, oh, Steve, that's good. You're absolutely right. And, w- But the point of the matter is, I think what really kind of disturbed me is we never actually, I've never had a conversation with any of these friends, right? And that's part of, I think, here's what I think is that as white folks, we need to take responsibility for our unlearning and learning because it's one thing to learn about the Indigenous culture, but it's it t- sort of takes away from the fact that we're racist and we actually t- created a society which really condoned and promoted the, the genocide of the cultural population and the culture.
0: And do you think your white friends, when they're saying, Steve, you're so right, do you think they're feeling any guilt uh, or even shame about that, what you just described, the genocide like their culture and their race perpetuating the genocide of Indigenous peoples? No. And plural.
1: No, and that's what I'm saying, is is that I think, and this is just my idea, is that I, I think we feel that if we're being taught by Indigenous people, that we're off the hook.
0: Yeah, all right, our friend has returned. Hello. Check, check. So we're back here. We moved over to uh, the other food court, just adjacent here. And... Um, Yeah, just uh, feeling a little, little shook up, but all right. Um, We were sort of talking about uh, folks getting, uh, white folks getting educated for free, and I was sharing that story. Another sort story I wanted to share on that. um, I guess before we get into that, is there anything you want to say about what just happened, Steve?
1: Oh well, you know, we could almost have a session almost to talk about it and how it unraveled but i think that's that's two points i want to point out one is that's just a good example where we actually don't fit the image of what's going on in here because it's a professional building and i question whether if we were you and i were wearing three-piece suits or you were wearing a nice dress and i was wearing a three-piece suit and we were just recording on their phones probably no one ever would come to us i also uh, feel that that those two security people actually defaulted back to some policy even though they refused to show us a policy and I actually question whether it's a, a policy or whether they've just made an individual judgment. Yeah,
0: sounds good. Thanks for putting those uh, points in there and uh, and I feel that. So um, yeah, the other story th- uh, that I was wanting to share. Um, was that uh, there was this uh, mixed-race person who um, who uh, oh, we might be getting kicked out again. Security just showed up. Um, so there's this mixed-race person who was wanting me to do this thing with their organization. And I um, just had this long conversation and I really feel like, you know, we're talking about white fragility, but I also feel like settler fragility is a, is a thing. Um, and um, so I had this long conversation. I just felt so exhausted afterwards and I couldn't understand why. Um, and what I realized was that this person, you know, had sort of excluded indigenous people intentionally and they had sort of a nice reasoning for it. They sort of said, um, you know, Uh, that, um, well, we just didn't feel we could do it appropriately or in a good way, but the thing is, um, you know, because they didn't have indigenous people, but, you know, what I really felt at working in their organization, but what I really felt is why wouldn't they have, um, if they don't have indigenous people working in their organization and they don't feel that capacity, why is their response to back down from that instead of leaning into that and hiring more Indigenous people, or figuring out why it is that uh, they felt the need to leave us out as opposed to doing that, and so, you know, in that same token of, you know, white folks want to be educated for free, I also feel like settlers in general want to be educated for free on Indigenous stuff. Um, And there's another story, but I just don't feel like sharing it. Something also we wanted to bring out. Well, I guess, is there any thoughts you have on that, on that story there? Because that person, you know, they're very white-minded. They're very, uh, you know, fair-skinned. But, um, you know, they are mixed race. They do belong to BIPOC identities. And, um, but, yeah,
1: I don't know. Do you think it could be, um, even though you might be part of the... BIPOC population that uh, I wonder sometimes if it's, it's how close you are to that status or how close you are to, to the top of that hierarchy
0: Well yeah I think it's a good point I think in these anti-racism working groups within organizations almost indefinitely there's white folks and mixed race folks and to me that's not a structural coincidence to me that's a structural outcome that the more white you are the more accepted you are And, um, you know, uh, and by mixed race, I mean people mixed uh, white with uh, somebody who's not white or a race who's not white. And, um, yeah, I think it's just like we talked about being a house slave. I think it's the same sort of thing. Um, So another thing we wanted to bring up here is uh, Steve and I had a conversation that was sort of... um, Uncomfortable, and it you know it also relates to something on the last episode. You know, uh, at the beginning of the episode, episode four. If you listen in, you know I sort of laugh at Steve making some jokes, um, and um, I guess you know I just wanted to bring up that those when we listened back, uh, it was clear to me that those were sympathy laughs, and so. Um, any- you
1: didn't think I was funny, my jokes. <laughs>
0: uh uh, sorry no uh no you know the thing is i feel like even though you know i know we're friends i know you care about me that part of our dynamic and our relationship is that i feel like um there is a power dynamic between the two of us and that um you know i am a you know still afraid of how you're going to respond to me in certain ways and so i do things you know we pointed this out um at different points along our journey so far uh doing the Wilma podcast and um you know i think those were just a good example those sympathy laughs were a good example um early on in the podcast um of how um uh, just how, yeah, I'm just trying. I don't want to challenge your power. There's a part of me that is afraid of you, and yeah.
1: yeah. And I think my, my struggle with that um, was for two reasons. One is that my, I that's a good example of white fragility, where when you told me that how you were feeling, I didn't actually want to believe it or actually listen to it. Um, could you
0: say that again or like elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Sure, you bet. You, uh, you told me that you were nervous and sometimes you're nervous actually talking to me about certain things. And part of my white fragility is, is like, oh, no, I don't want you to feel that way. I want you to like me, to trust me, uh, negating <laughs> the fact that I'm white and you're not. Right. And so that, I think, is part of the unlearning that even though I, my intentions might be honorable, I might, and then I do care about you. The reality of the fact is, is that I'm a white man. And conditioned to be so. Right, so mm. no matter how nice us white folks want to be and how my friends say oh, we totally agree with you, we're still culprits in this whole uh, era or aura of oppression. Yeah. That's a struggle for me, that's, that's hard. That was a hard reality. Harsh. Well,
0: and what do you remember about the conversation we had in the production meeting
1: where I was really feeling like not good? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I obviously, I, I felt bad about it.
0: Well, wait, uh, could you tell the listeners about it?
1: <laughs> well, I think it's... It, uh,
0: what, we, what, what was I bringing up with you?
1: You were talking to me about, um, well, one, I don't think I was listening very well. Um, and so, I, I my first ins- instinct was to challenge you what you were saying. And or what ch- was I saying? Well, you were talking to me about my status and how you know I'm a white person. How you feel nervous, you know, approaching about this, and you didn't feel well. That I and was speci- speci-
0: specifically, just to bring it back here, because maybe he's getting a little old and his memory's <laughs> going. <laughs> but uh, you know. I just feel like white folks talk about greed and talk about capitalism Uh, all the friggin' time. And it's not to say those systems of oppression don't exist, but Steve and I are on this journey together specifically to bring up issues of race and whiteness. And Steve, every time we go to hang out, God bless his soul, he just starts talking about greed and capitalism and how much money this organization makes and all these things. And you know, when we were talking, I, I um, you know started to get small I started to get quieter I wasn't really you know responding as much and I was really waiting for you to stop I was thinking maybe he'll notice that I'm not responding to what he's saying and he will stop you know on this sort of white domination of the conversation you know and um, and I had to and and do you remember are you feeling me what I was yeah yeah. So maybe pick up the story from there. So what did I, what did I do?
1: Well, you actually told me that you were tired of hearing that stuff all the time. (laughs) Um, And how did you feel when I was telling you about this? Well, not very good. What do you mean? Well, for two reasons. One, the first reason was that, hey, you know, I think that this is important, but the other reason was, the other thing I was feeling was, is that I wasn't really listening. To you, and actually, I was sort of dominating the whole conversation. And what, s- what I was, what I thought was important.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. And would you say? Yeah, um, I don't know what I was going to ask you. Um, yeah. So I think uh, it was an important conversation. Yeah. Just I want you to tell me a little bit more about. Like, did you feel your power was being challenged?
1: Yeah, I felt my power was uh, uh, being challenged. I also felt um, that I wasn't being heard. Uh, That's right.
0: Um, You started, like you were telling earlier, you said I started, you started to argue with me. And what was the first thing you said once I got finished saying all the things that I needed to tell you to point out? What did you tell like pointing out, okay, you're dominating the conversation this way. White people always talk about this. I was just waiting for you to stop. And what did you say to me?
1: Uh, well, I don't know, don't remember exactly what my words were, but my feelings, I can still remember that. Is yeah. There was a whole myriad. I was feeling offended. Yes. Um, Who's this fucking young whippersnapper? <laughs> giving me shit, yeah. telling me. And I think it. You know what it was though too is, it caused me to stop. So I spent the whole week reflecting about that and now the fact that how come I, I wasn't listening and I think all right let's
0: before we get to that, the thing you said is that um, you misunderstood me, you told me yep. that I misunderstood you and yep. that um, and that uh, so I can't remember how you said it, but I felt what you were saying was sort of telling me that I was wrong and t- that I'm, I was actually mis um giving you advice and i told you don't pull that racist shit on me because you were fucking trying to tell me uh that uh you know what i was saying i misunderstood like you lit like you don't know shit you know what i mean you've been blind for a very long time and then all suddenly you know uh we start talking about this and you're you somehow
1: have the expertise to know when you're not being racist or not that's right uh, which, which again is is a part of that whole uh, that whole process of self-reflection right is like you telling me that um, I took a front to that yeah it's like how dare you say that
0: so uh, yeah I'm glad thanks for saying that so um, you know we're definitely a bit up there in time but I'd like to just um, touch on this last thing. We did touch on a little bit uh, of just saying how, uh, well, no, we don't even need to. I think we're good to wrap up, to be honest with you. It's been an interesting day. Um, I definitely felt, uh, well, well, we'll break it down, I think, at the next podcast a little bit when we can be away from the situation. I'm a little elevated. Um, so uh, for everybody out there, uh, just make sure that if you want to get a hold of us, uh, we're the uh, at the Wilma Podcast on both Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, we're available on SoundCloud and on Spotify, and we are close, we're very close to being on Apple Podcast. Um, Steve's got his best people working on it. And uh, as well, um, you can email us at the Wilma Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, Share this with all of your...
1: Share it with all uh, uh, my white friends, you uh, people out there, and you don't actually have to be a friend (laughs) to listen to it. So I really think I encourage people to listen to it. And if you have any responses or thoughts, reach out to us. We're more than welcome to have a conversation. He's so nice. Why wouldn't you want to reach out to us?
0: (laughs) We'll talk to you again. Thanks for listening.